Chapter forty eight of the Mutiny of the Elsinore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Mutiny of the Elsinore by Jack London. Chapter forty eight. The situation is hopelessly grotesque. We in the high place command the food of the Elsinore, but the mutineers have captured her steering gear. That is to say, they have captured it without coming into possession of it. They cannot steer, neither can we. The poop, which is the high place, is ours. The wheel is on the poop, yet we cannot touch the wheel. From that slitted opening in the ventilator shaft, they are able to shoot down any man who approaches the wheel. And with that steel wall of the chart house as a shield, they laugh at us as from a conning tower. I have a plan, but it is not worth while putting into execution unless its need becomes imperative. In the darkness of night it would be an easy trick to disconnect the steering gear from the short tiller on the rudder head, and then, by re-rigging the preventer tackles, steer from both sides of the poop well enough forward to be out of range of the ventilator. In the meantime, in this fine weather, the Elsinore drifts as she lists, or as the windage of her lists and the sea movement of waves lists. And she can well drift. Let the mutineers starve. They can best be brought to their senses through their stomachs. And what are wits for, if not for use? I am breaking the men's hungry hearts. It is great fun in its way. The mollyhawks and albatrosses, after their fashion, have followed the Elstonair up out of their own latitudes. This means there were only so many of them, and that their numbers are not recruited. Syllogism, major premise, a definite and limited amount of bird meat, minor premise, the only food the mutineers now have is bird meat, conclusion, destroy the available food, and the mutineers will be compelled to come back to duty. I have acted on this bit of logic. I began experimentally by tossing small chunks of fat pork and crusts of stale bread overside. When the birds descended for the feast, I shot them. Every carcass thus left floating on the surface of the sea was so much less meat for the mutineers. But I bettered the method. Yesterday I overhauled the medicine chest, and I dosed my chunks of fat pork and bread with the contents of every bottle that bore a label of skull and crossbones. I even added rough on rats to the deadliness of the mixture, this on the suggestion of the steward. And today, behold, there is no bird left in the sky. True, while I played my game yesterday, the mutineers hooked a few of the birds, but now the rest are gone, and that is bound to be the last food for the men forward until they resume duty. Yes, it is grotesque. It is a boy's game. It reads like midshipman easy, like Frank Mildmay, like Frank Reed Jr., and yet, if faith, life and death's in the issue. I have just gone over the toll of our dead since the voyage began. First was Christian Jesperson killed by O'Sullivan when that maniac aspired to throw overboard Andy Fay's sea boots. Then O'Sullivan, because he interfered with Charles Davis's sleep, brained by that worthy with a steel marlin spike. 
next petro marinkovich just ere we began the passage of the horn murdered undoubtedly by the gangster clique his life cut out of him with knives his carcass left lying on the deck to be found by us and be buried by us and the samurai captain west a sudden though not a violent death albeit occurring in the midst of all elemental violence as mr pike clawed the elsinore off the lee shore of the horn and bony the splinter following washed overboard to drown as we cleared the sea-gashing rock-tooth where the southern tip of the continent bit into the storm-wrath of the antarctic and the big-footed clumsy youth of a finnish carpenter hove overside as a jonah by his fellows who believed that finns control the winds and mike cipriani and bill quigley rome and ireland shot down on the poop and flung overboard alive by mr pike still alive and clinging to the log-line cut adrift by the steward to be eaten alive by the great-beaked albatrosses mollyhawks and sooty-plumaged cape hens steve roberts one-time cowboy shot by me as he tried to shoot me herman lunkenheimer his throat cut before all of us by the hound bombini as kid twist stretched the throat taut from behind the two mates, Mr. Pike and Mr. Mallaire, mutually destroying each other in what must have been an unwitnessed epic combat. Dittman Olinson, speared by Wada as he charged berserk at the head of the mutineers in the attempt to rush the poop. And last, Henry, the cadet of the perishing house, shot at the wheel from the ventilator shaft in the course of his day's work no as i contemplate this roll-call of the dead which i have just made i see we are not playing a boy's game why we have lost a third of us and the bloodiest battles of history have rarely achieved such a percentage of mortality fourteen of us have gone overside and who can tell the end nevertheless here we are masters of matter adventurers in the micro-organic planet wares sun analyzers star rovers god dreamers equipped with the human wisdom of all the ages and yet quoting mr pike to come down to brass tacks we are a lot of primitive beasts fighting bestially slaying bestially pursuing bestially food and water air for our lungs a dry space above the deep and carcasses skin-covered and intact and over this menagerie of beasts margaret and i with our asiatics under us rule top dog we are all dogs there is no getting away from it and we the fair pigmented ones by the seed of our ancestry rulers in the high place shall remain top dog over the rest of the dogs oh there is material and plenty for the cogitation of any philosopher on a windjammer and mutiny in this year of our lord nineteen thirteen henry was the fourteenth of us to go overside into the dark and salty disintegration of the sea and in one day he has been well avenged for two of the mutineers have followed him the steward called my attention to what was taking place he touched my arm half beyond his servant's self as he gloated forward at the men heaving two corpses overside weighed with coal they sank immediately so that we could not identify them they have been fighting i said it is good that they should fight among themselves 
but the old chinese merely grinned and shook his head you don't think they have been fighting i queried no fight they eat em mollyhawk and albatross mollyhawk and albatross eat em fat pork two men he die plenty men much sick you bet damn to hell me very much glad i savvy and i think he was right while i was busy baiting the sea-birds the mutineers were catching them and of a surety they must have caught some that had eaten of my various poisons the two poisoned ones went over the side yesterday since then we have taken the census two men only have not appeared and they are bob the fat and overgrown feebling youth and of all creatures the fawn it seems my fate that i had to destroy the fawn the poor tortured fawn always willing and eager ever desirous to please there is a madness of ill luck in all this why couldn't the two dead men have been charles davis and tony the greek or bert rhine and kid twist or bombini and andy fay yes and in my heart i know i should have felt better had it been isaac chance and arthur deacon or nancy and sundry byers or shorty and larry the steward has just tendered me a respectful bit of advice next time we chuck em overboard like henry much better we use old iron getting short of coal i asked he nodded affirmation we use a great deal of coal in our cooking and when the present supply gives out we shall have to cut through a bulkhead to get at the cargo End of chapter 48